This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today in the studio are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar. We also have the TSO's music director, Elaine Trudell, and we have a special return guest. That would be Brett Loney, who is the TSO's director of development. Welcome to all of you, especially you, Brett. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome. I said this was a, a return appearance for you. Uh, you made your debut your first day on the job, you walked in, we threw you in front of a microphone. The rest, as they say, is history. I mean, this occurred in uh, 2019. It was pre-pandemic. Now you're 697 days into the job. So my question to you is the same one I asked you on day one. How's it going? It's going well. You know, nobody, Zach didn't mention that we'd be starting a pandemic four months after I began with the <laughs> symphony. I but, also uh, didn't tell you you're going to be on the radio on your first day. That's yeah. true. He's like, just show up, watch the broadcast. And I don't think those two are related, though. <laughs> I just like to keep some tricks up my sleeve and make sure that Brett's, you know, as agile as he promised. And so it, far he is. It is never dull. Uh, but it's been, a, it's been a wonderful journey over uh, now almost two years of working with the symphony and, you know, all the things that we've done through the pandemic yeah. to keep serving the community. I mean, it's it really was an incredible time to watch how this organization responded to the need mm -hmm. to keep the arts in our community and to keep presenting great music to to this community and really around the world with, with all that we've done. Yeah. Well, one of the things that the TSO is known for during the pandemic is, is keeping you know, people employed, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a big challenge for many arts institutions. So. Yes. Kudos to all of you for making that possible. Uh, Brett, we talked about this briefly last time, and today we're talking about a, a wonderful uh, longtime supporter. I mean, I, I don't even want to use the word supporter because it's yeah. it, it's so much more deep than that. I'm talking about Richard P. Anderson or Dick Anderson, as people who knew him called him. You're doing a, a concert, a memorial concert for Dick mm -hmm. Anderson, some of the music that he enjoyed over the years. Um, we're going to talk about that today, but first, Brett, tell us, I don't know if we covered this last time, but what does a director of development do? I mean, what, what is the role of development in the nonprofit world? Great question. What, at, at its essence, what we do is support the mission of the organization by raising funds to, to make that mission possible. So we get to work with great community partners and, and on occasion, great individuals like Dick Anderson, who, who really, you know, epitomized what philanthropy is all about and making the community better. Yeah. And we get to work with people like that to help make organizations like the Soto Symphony better and continue their work serving the community. Well, the name Dick Anderson, of course, is immediately familiar mm -hmm. to anybody involved in, you know, different pursuits of mm -hmm. life. I mean, if you're in agriculture or, or business, certainly in this area, this community, uh, anybody involved in the arts, you know, even here at WGTE, uh, Dick was a former chairman of the board here, as he was for the Toledo Symphony. This concert I want to mention is happening Friday. It's uh, October 29th, 7.30 p.m., at the Toledo Museum of Art, Peristyle, uh, Elaine Trudell, who is here with us, is going to be conducting the concert. Elaine, there's a, a lot of stuff on here. <clears throat> I want to dive into it, but uh, first I'm going to hand over the stage to uh, Zach to tell us a little bit about Dick Anderson. I mean, can you talk about who he was, not only as a, a, a arts patron, but also as a businessman, somebody who affected the community so strongly? It, 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 it 
to answer that question is to repeat exactly what you just said. He, he was a magnificent businessman who impacted the community in so many ways. I, um, the first time I met Dick uh, was at a symphony performance, and he had just uh, retired from the CEO's position at the Andersons. And I'd read an article in The Blade about it, uh, and he said he just wants to ride around on his John Deere. And <laughs> I kind of put it to him with a, a, you know, with a grin on my face. I said, "You really just going to ride around on your your new John Deere?" And he's and and it was absolutely what he wanted to do. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, he was a a man who always put on a suit, but he was happiest working with the earth, working with his woodworking. Um, he had enormous hands. They were like paws. And, you know, you, you just imagine how many hands he had to shake in his career, but also what he did with those hands. Yeah. So he was such a, 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 an enormous personality, and, and he affected all of us. I'm so happy I got to know him. I got to work with him. And, you know, up to his, his end, he was such a fan of the orchestra. And I'm sure over time... Uh, would, would revitalize our own faith in what we're doing at, at difficult times because he was yeah. certain that music and beauty were so important to this community. And if you think about the pandemic, which we've had to survive without Dick, his, um, his funeral was immediately before that in early March mm. of 2020. It's his spirit that has taught us the role of arts to get through these tough times. So I, I think it's uh, it, you know it's a legacy we're very proud to continue upholding. Yeah, I, I think you know so many times during the pandemic, what we kind of turned inward and said, you know, what what would Dick encourage us to do during this? Yeah. And it was you know keep turning into the storm, keep doing everything we can to serve the community, and we you know we could hear his voice and his passion for the symphony through all of these challenging times. You know, he really set an example and inspired us to, to keep going and, and always be focused on what are we doing to make the community better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brett, let me ask you, I mean, patrons come in different shapes and sizes and flavors and what have you, some, you know, on a scale of, of one to 10, as far as involvement goes, I mean, some patrons may just give you the money to do what you want to do. Other patrons go to their community. They go to their peers and they say, this is worth supporting. Where did Dick Anderson fall in that line? I mean, I think I have a pretty good idea, yeah. but how would I, you characterize his involvement? I think if there's if there's one person in this community that you could use as an example of somebody who was willing not just to give, but also to help encourage others to give, it would be Dick Anderson. Yeah. You know, so much of our foundation in development at the symphony is, is a result of his outreach and his willingness to stand up and say, this is important to our community. Please support it. Um, I've, I've, you know, he would say, I've done it now, you know, I'm asking you to join me. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was never do this. I'm not doing it. It was, I've done this. I, I think it's important. Please join us. Well, and he also took such a great interest in the whole canon of, of classical music yes. as well as some other stuff here. You've got this list of, of, of works that you're playing on the concert, Elaine, and it's, it's quite a long list. I mean, there are some favorites on here that I assume sort of speak to uh, Dick's experience growing up in the agricultural world. You think of Vivaldi's Four Seasons and Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony, you know, his love of nature. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, there's a lot of other stuff on here, too, as well. You want to give us a little uh, 
a little preview of what, what we can expect to hear. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I had the great fortune of uh, my first, I think my first week here <laughs> to spend time with, with Dick and Fran. And uh, it was really, uh, I would say, you know, I've just resigned a new contract with the orchestra. And I, they were very instrumental on day, on the first week I've been here in 2017, to, for me to understand what kind of uh, place this was. And uh, that I would be just fine here. I would be. I would be not just fine. I would be ecstatic to be here because, you know, the just the way they welcome us. They welcome me in the community. You know, often you see you meet with a quote unquote patron, or you meet with a sponsor. Uh, you go to a restaurant, I mean, which is great. Also, I mean, it's kind of neutral territory. You don't know each other all that well. But you know, Duke and friends are come to the house, you know, for lunch, and uh, we go in the little uh, salarium, and a uh, friend comes out with with the, something she cooked, and it's, and we we have a chat, and we talk about life, and we talk. I say, oh boy, wait a minute, this is gonna be great. I mean, uh, this is these people are amazing, and it really taught me a lot. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not from, I'm not American, so it taught me a lot about what it is to be a Midwestern here you know and yeah. uh, and what it is to be like a like your true like a, the the how could i say the the true great qualities of americans you know like the generosity you know yeah. also and there there's a there was a great deal of compassion there also absolutely you know? and uh, anyway for me it was very instrumental in uh, feeling great here and feeling that this was an amazing place to to then an amazing community to be in so when your first your first encounter is with those people then you're like wow this is amazing <laughs> so uh and, fr and we're lucky friend is still with us and you know yeah. so this is friend cool. is dick's wife of yeah. course of many yeah. years also somebody who is just as involved in the symphony oh, yes, as he yes. was over the force years. of nature herself <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um when I put this program together, of course, you know, knowing them very well now, uh, I thought that I would do four sections to the program. One was, of course, based around classical music, because this is what we do. This is what uh, he, he really encouraged us. And, uh, you know, so, some sitting on the board is, is, is a big thing for, for symphony. But uh, being chair of the board is a, almost an act of faith. And he did it twice. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, true. it's like I don't know anybody who sat twice as chair of a board uh, on the arts because it's like, uh, it's like fun without the enjoyment sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so my, the first part I put together in the this program, this classical part, I put, of course, fanfare for the common man, because, you know, it's funny because you cannot find somebody that's uh, not common like that, but at the same time, very common. I mean, you know, you go to this place, it's just a regular guy, but at the same time, he's an icon, you know, yeah. the, anything that, that happened. And it's a true, um, it's it's like meeting one of the, the last people, like the great generation kind of thing. Mm -hmm. right. It's like amazing. Right. Anyway, for me, yeah. it was, I was super impressed every time. Uh, impressed by sincerity, by simplicity. Anyway. And then, then we're, we're going to feature our leader, uh, Kirk Toth, our captain, our concert master in the, a movement from the, the autumn, from the four seasons. Uh, as you said very, uh, very well, it's uh, about uh, harvest, about the seasons, about, you know, nature, which was very important yeah. to, to Dick. And staying in the same thing, and uh, even even more, you know, in the same thing, we're going to do uh, the first movement of Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. And it's interesting because there's a title. Eh? It's not just written, you know, Allegro Manantropo, whatever. The title is Awakening of Cheerf Awakening of Cheerful Feelings Upon Arrival in the on on the countryside or in the countryside. Yeah. So it's 
it really that that also struck a bell. I said, we have to put this in. That's the last thing I I put in the program. I said, oh, this is great. Then we put together a section that is uh, that are people that uh, knew him very well. I mean, you have to understand that Dick knew everybody by first name basis in our orchestra. So, you know, like, uh, he didn't say, uh, oh, yeah, the second oboe. No, no, it was Michelle, you know? Mm. And how is she doing? How's the kid? How, you know, are the class family, you know, our two clarinet players, they're, they're married together. They have two wonderful kids and they, they really love those guys, you know? So, and, uh, speaking of, they're going to come and play as a quartet. So the two parents and the two daughters, they're going to do a quartet, movement of a quartet by a grand still. Uh, the girls and, play violin. Right? Violin and yeah. cello. Okay. And uh, our two clarinet players are going to play the second violin part and the the viola part as well. So it's it's really amazing because it's again it's the the family, the values, okay. and it's people that that they really knew and appreciated. Uh, I mean, they liked everybody, they loved everybody in the orchestra. But you know, you have to pick a few people. You can't pick uh, sixty five people to play a solo. So yeah. so those then we're going to play a little bit of a uh, music from um, from an era that is also classical but American, Victor Herbert. Uh, it's a little, um, how do you say, très d'union, a little, a little uh, dash in the middle. And then our pianist, because, you know, some people don't know, but symphony orchestra is half pianist when it's a big symphony. So uh, Valerie Kantorsky, our wonderful pianist, also somebody that uh, their family really knew and loved a lot. The only thing they loved better than that was Chopin. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's going to play some Chopin, right. but that will lead to into a little Gershwin. I don't want to talk too much about it because she has her own way of doing things, but uh, uh-huh. Val has always been very close to them. It's always yeah. been somebody mm-hmm. that's uh, played in every function we've had. Like when we had the inauguration of the bridge, uh-huh. well, the, of the building of the bridge, she was there playing Chopin all day, you know, and they, and, and you know, they, they acknowledge it. They stand next to her. It's not just, you know, you know, we need somebody to make some music in the background. No, so everybody stopped, listen to Val playing. It's like, yeah, anyway, so it's not everybody that's like that. Then we play again a little something from, uh, from the, the, the same era as the Herbert, uh, some Morton Gould, a little symphonette, the Pavan. Uh, and then we're going to the third section, uh, which is uh, the jazz section. So we're going to play a salute to the big bands. Uh, for all that Dick really loved about classical music, he really loved the big band era and the Tommy Dorsey, which is great because I'm a trombone player. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I, I imagine you guys connected on that level too. Oh yes, uh, yeah. very much so. Uh, and I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play some trombone on the show. Oh, really? So, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm going to play. Well, you know, if you have the salute to the big bands, there's going to be some Tommy Dorsey in there. And I'm just right. going to. So, Garth was um, our principal trombone, nice enough to let me play one of the solos. <laughs> and then I'm going to play something with a combo that uh, that we have. So, it's a, a piece that's very important for our. Our, uh, our common history, you know, by, by, uh, Gordon Jenkins. And then after that, we go to that fourth section, which is kind of an Americana section, you know, like the music of America. We started with the Fanfare for the Common Man. It's classic, but it's also, you know, the, uh, the pictures of America, of, of freedom, and also of opportunity. And that's something I, I wanted to touch on over there. So we're going to play, um, Thing that's called the American Frontier. So it's a medley of all folk tunes, American folk tunes, but really well crafted together by Custer again. And then we're going to have a special feature, which I, I, I won't talk about right now, but the uh, people will be there will be very moved. Something that the family put together uh, yeah. for him. And at the end, we'll finish up with the simple gifts because it's, uh, it's one of the, the, the works of music that impersonates this, uh, his whole being the most. 
yeah. again by Copeland. Well, that's wonderful. It it's, sounds like a big jam-packed program, lots of different aspects of, of Dick's legacy that are being addressed yeah. through music. Uh, that's great that you managed to uh, to put that all together. And I didn't know you were going to play trombone, so that's fun too. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zach, when you were talking about Dick Anderson and his great big farmer's hands, you know, I was thinking, well, he should have been playing Rachmaninoff as a piano or something like that, you know. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you'd mentioned Rachmaninoff. He loved Rachmaninoff. And the last conversation I ever had with Dick, uh, shortly before he died, um, you know, you, you start to wonder what, what, what your last conversations with somebody you care about are going to be. And in his own way, Dick just ran the show and didn't leave me to have to figure that out. All he wanted to do is talk about how gorgeous Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto was. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, you just think about that. And uh, and he would, you know, put his big hands up in the air and, and just say, oh, there's no way with these hands that you could ever play that. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's, it, it's very touching uh, how much he loved this music. And I'm so thrilled for the program that Alain has put together because it's just a... It's a it's a very special way to memorialize somebody. Yeah. This concert is happening on Friday at 7.30 p.m. at the Toledo Museum of Art Paris style, the Dick Anderson Memorial Concert, the Toledo Symphony under Elaine Trudell. More information at toledosymphony.com or 419-246-8000 is the box office number if you want to get tickets that way. Um, Elaine, you mentioned, you know, the first time that you met Dick and, and that you met his wife, Fran. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if we could sort of go around the table and talk a little bit about our very first interactions with them. <laughs> because the, the first time that I met Dick and Fran was on the airplane <laughs> when we took the Toledo Symphony to New York to play in Carnegie Hall. And, and I sat next to them. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was to put me next to Dick and Fran on the airplane because <clears throat> I had never met them before and I didn't know who they were. And I was sitting there eating the Anderson's box dinner that they had provided. <laughs> and, and Fran leans over to me and says, how's the food? You know, how how is it? And I was like, it's okay. I mean, I, I didn't make the connection at the sure. time. So, you know, but they were so gracious and so nice and friendly. That was my first impression of them. And then, of course, you know, after that, I, I learned much more about their work and their activities with the uh, with the symphony and with WGTE and with other organizations, the Art Museum, mm -hmm. what have you. Um, what was your first encounter with, with Dick or, or with Dick and Fran, Zach? Uh, well, I mentioned the first time I spoke to him about his John Deere. Um, I was uh -huh. so impressed by his... Um, the 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 common man uh, elements that you're mm. that Alain was talking about, um, but I, I do also remember the first time I met Fran. I was at the Toledo Club uh, finishing a meeting in the Red Room, and she came over to say hello to somebody at our table. And I had seen Fran, but I'd never met Fran. And uh, there was a nice conversation around the table, and as you do with you know, polite company, you're, you're you know smiling and laughing, not trying to get in in the way of the conversation. And then she comes over and and just puts her hand out and says, "I'm Fran Anderson." And I said, "Fran, would you like to sit down and join us?" And she said, "No, I am having some friends tonight for supper." And without thinking, I just blurted out, "Well, are they delicious?" <laughs> that, is, and, that is like a perfect Zach moment. That is a Zach moment, right? And and she she leans over and she said, 
I'm going to like you. (laughs) Walked away. And she did. It was great. It was great. But uh, just a a kinder soul there has never been. Brett, what's the first thing that you ever had to to do or say or or work with uh, in regards to to Dick Anderson and or Fran as well? Well, um, I've had the the privilege of having uh, a lot of different interactions with them so it's hard for me to kind of think back 20 over 20 years you know to the first one but there are two that sort of stick out in my mind you know one is you know you never for, forget a dick anderson handshake you know the <laughs> as, as Zach said the those big pause and just how you know he made you feel like okay you're the you're the center of of where i'm at right now and yeah. and that you know as as important as he was and the things he did he was always present with the people that were around him um, but I also remember one time, I think around his 90th birthday, maybe asking, you know, what's the secret to, to your longevity? And, and before he could answer, Fran jumped in and said something about, you know, um, all of the years that she's been taking care of him. <laughs> um, Her answer was me. Yes. Well, and, and, you know, Dick, to, to his credit, you know, rightfully realized that that did play a large role in, in his uh, long and successful life and, and uh, gave credit where credit is due. So. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that relationship between the two of them and, and how they were such partners and yeah. all they did in the community, you know, just sticks with me. Um, it's just a wonderful example. Well, it was a fantastic partnership and still is in some ways with the legacy ongoing. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've had the same conversation with Dick and Fran. And uh, it, it, I remember once Dick said uh, to me that he had been on assisted living for yes. over 60 <laughs> years because of Fran. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's great. Uh, Brett, let's take a moment and talk about you a little bit more because uh, you haven't been here in a couple of years. You, you came on, as we mentioned, your first day on the job. You, we sort of threw you in front of the microphone. He's finally brave enough to come back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you did a lot of work in development in the years leading up to your a job at Toledo Symphony. You worked mo- mostly in academic circles? You know. Mostly in, in uh, secondary and higher education. Okay. So what were some of the, the groups that you worked with? Well, I, I always say I've been blessed to the, to work for, over my career, five incredible institutions in all places where I feel like I have a connection to and am passionate about. Um, I started my development career uh, 24 years ago at St. John's Jesuit, uh, going back to my alma mater, uh, right. Just out of the practice of just uh, <laughs> stepping out of the practice of law and deciding I want to give this development thing a try and see what happens. Um, thought I could always go back to law and 24 years later haven't really entertained that thought. So I, I was fortunate to go from there uh, from my alma mater to run the development program at my parents high school alma mater in Dayton, Chaminade Julianne, um, a great school with great uh, history. Um, and then decided uh, to get into the college ranks and worked at uh, Wright State University. Uh, Fundrose was a fundraiser for their engineering school. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, tested my liberal arts education to kind of follow what was going on in that building. Yeah. Um, and then came back to run the program at St. John's for a number of years before jumping again into higher ed at University of Toledo. Yeah. And um, have always loved the symphony. And joked that, you know, I wanted to get to more of the concerts and was trying to find a way to do that. And, and this opportunity came up and it was a perfect chance to join one of Toledo's great institutions, you know, one of the cultural treasures in this community yeah. and to get to more of the concerts. Um, so. I, I took the job so I could go to the concerts, right? Yeah. Well, if he yeah. wanted free tickets, you know, he really was quite clear that he yes. had to 
contribute somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so how free are they? <laughs> yeah, Everything nothing comes is, free. Nothing is free, my friend. <laughs> but I, I think it, you know, the other thing, and particularly as we talk about Dick Anderson, you know, you feel this sense of responsibility. That this, this truly is, the Toledo Symphony truly is one of Toledo's great cultural treasures and, and operates at a level above what most cities this size can even dream of having. And it's, it's really rewarding to be a part of the effort to say, we want this to be at this level 25 years from now, 50 years mm. from now, 100 years from now, still bringing this great music to the community. And, and that's a really fun mission to get up and, and go to work to, to support every day. Yeah. Brett, do you remember the episode that you were on before? A, l- a little bit. We were, we were talking about uh, Masterworks. Um, and it was, it was actually, I, I think I said something about how much I'd always looked forward to, to seeing that performance. And so getting a yeah. chance to do that. Um, and this was Messiah, this, actually, at yes. Rosary Cathedral, which yes. uh, the symphony was unable to do during the pandemic. But you yes. guys are coming back and doing that again this uh, December, which would be wonderful. But do you remember, now, was anybody else here on that particular episode with Paul Monachino? You, was, you yep. were on, Zach, think, yeah. Marwan was here as well. You guys remember the quiz during that uh, that episode? Well, now, now you put me on the spot. Of course <laughs> I remember the quiz. It was called Great Cathedrals in <laughs> History, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to ask one or two questions and see if you guys remember See how much you learned from this quiz from two <laughs> years ago, okay? Uh, the cornerstone for this cathedral was laid over 500 years ago. It isn't technically a, a cathedral, but a type of church given special ceremonial rites. Over 90 popes have been buried here. Is that ringing any bells? St. Peter's, Saint Peter's Basilica. in Basilica. Yeah, in Rome. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> you guys you guys totally breeze through the quiz. <laughs> I was just curious, you know. Can you ask me more questions I've heard the answers to? <laughs> we do I that. like this model a lot we, better. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna revise the quiz now. One day Merwin is not there and that's we don't right. get we don't have a quiz. <laughs> I love it. Brett and Zach are the winners of the quiz. Well, and and if, if I can uh, just say some some things about Brett, uh, this is not a roast. Uh, but you know, the, uh, tying this into Dick Anderson, there was a point when we were searching for our next development director, and we had some excellent applicants from in in town and excellent applicants from out of town. And I knew Brett a little bit from his time at St. John's, and I I felt that it was important to have somebody who knew this town because this town is 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 perfect as a Toledoan. But it's tough to get settled in as somebody from outside the area. And, you know, you think about that in our first year of working together, we lost one of our our principal leaders of this community. And, you know, Brett's ability to recognize what that meant, to jump right in, uh, you know, to to be on the phone with Fran, to to, envision some of the, the work we're doing to raise an endowment in Dick's name. You know, that's not something that we would have been able to do with somebody who is moving to Toledo and trying to figure this out on the fly. Right. So it's, it, you know, there are many reasons I love working with Brett Loney, but watching the passion that he brought to this community, and that is a big part of what we do, has been just a, a huge, huge perk. 
So, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I do hope we have a recording of this that I can that I can save. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll excerpt everything Zach says that's nice about you. We'll, we'll put I, it in a nice little MP3 and send it your way. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, instead of a motivational calendar, you know, day to day, you'll you'll have just a little saying from Zach about how glad he is to have you. I mean, it, it's all about relationships ultimately. And the fact that Brett had worked in this community for some time before he came to you, obviously, was a great advantage. But let's talk a little bit about arts uh, philanthropy in general, because, you know, there there may be some people out there who say, well, what do the arts have to do with business? I mean, why are these successful business people investing in the arts? Mm-hmm. Can, can we talk a little bit about why it's important to the to the community? I always like to say that even if you aren't a fan of the arts, we all want to live in a place that has art. And and part of that's a quality of life thing. But one thing that I've always really stressed is that art in any form can help us consider different perspectives. And it can help us go places that we can't necessarily verbalize. And it can challenge us to think about things in different ways. And that's true if you're sitting at the symphony and listening to beautiful music, your mind might go to a certain place. It's true if you're looking at a painting and you're making some space for yourself to have an artistic experience. And those are the things that add beautiful fabric to our day-to-day. So I I think we are all a lot more artistic than we give ourselves credit for. And I think we all need it from a biological perspective. So when you think about the, the performing arts, if there's anything we've learned from the pandemic is that this is the soul food that we really need. Mm. And um, I'm just so, so grateful to our organization that we've been able to continue providing it. Well, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, and it's not only about being, can can I get that on recording? (laughs) (laughs) It's not only about being uh, artistic. I mean, it's a, you know, a lot of revolutionary ideas are great business ideas of that were done while you were having some quote-unquote downtime, uh, what you were doing, and, you know, and not just downtime but with your mind racing and everything, but music brings you to a place of repose sometimes and brings you to a place where you can actually have some introspection, you know? You can have your own private introspection that has nothing to do with the Beethoven symphony you're listening to. It just brings you to that place. And it's very often you can, it's difficult to go to that place with nothing happening around you or with, uh, while thinking of what you're going to do next. And, uh, but just that setting that we're, we're setting up. And it's great to have uh, introspection. Of course, now with the pandemic, uh, there's been a, a trend to, uh, you know, like, uh, people are cooking more at home. People are doing so slow food and slow art. I like mm. to call it, you know, not only three minute snippets of things, which is also okay sometimes. But people are, seems to, they seem to be more ready to uh, go back to uh, accepting like a, a longer development of something and, you know, longer introspection and, uh, you know, our priorities, uh, in crazy world. And uh, it seems like our priorities are set a little bit more straight sometimes with that. I mean, it's, uh, of course, there's a uh, incredible drama that has come with the pandemic, but there's this time that, uh, for private reflection and thinking of life and, thinking of uh, the the quality of life we want to have you know 
Like uh, that we say that the arts, yeah, they define, they also define us who we are as a community. Yeah. You know, we're not a, an, an, an orchestra in Toledo. We're the Toledo Symphony. So you cannot, you would transpose this orchestra and bring it to, I don't know, another city, Cleveland or uh, Omaha. I don't know. It, it would, it wouldn't be the same, you know, because we're connected to Toledo. We are connected to our public, to our audience. When I make programs, when I put programs together with Merwin very often, um, I think of our public, you know? I mean, uh, there's not another place where you program certain things and, you know, here and, and what we want our pro public to discover and the population to discover and also things that really makes them feel like, Oh, all fuzzy inside and good is different everywhere, you know? Yeah. So you, you build something that has to do with your community. And um, a little bit from what Zach said is that maybe not everybody likes music, but, you know, we have a utility. And that's something that uh, in the past, uh, and not us, but, I mean, you know, in the last hundred years, uh, the symphonies have not done a great job of, uh, of uh, communicating that they're relevant. You know, and the last 20 years, it has changed a lot. Uh, some of it because <laughs> they were dying. And we have to say, oh, we have to, we, you know, it's like a dinosaur. We, we have to re reinvent ourselves. But, uh, but a lot of it, like, you know, orchestras are size. It's been always a way of life. I mean, we're always in tune with our community and we always divide the orchestra up. I mean, you have to think this orchestra does, you know, before Christmas and when it's not a pandemic, the 25 days uh, before Christmas, I mean, we play 25 concerts yeah. in the community. So it's, it, it has a utility. It has uh, something that is, uh, that we share with everybody and they share with us. And this is really, I mean, the, the arts are, you know, even if you don't like music, you like what, what the arts does to a, a population, you know, like it's not just beauty is just, uh, you know, when, when you're busy with that, you're not busy with other things that can be negative. We bring positivity and introspection, which is not a, an easy thing to do, right? Yeah. In, in our crazy world. So well, I mean, when you're talking about the value of a symphony orchestra such as the TSO, like you say, Elaine, there are many things that factor into it. The value to the community in terms of just offering uh, wonderful, beautiful music, uh, offering discovery. Mm -hmm. um, you talk about the concerts you do at Christmas time or have done at Christmas time. You know, that enriches the the sacred offerings of many churches mm -hmm. in the area as well. Mm -hmm. So it has an impact there. And on top of all of that, think of what the economic impact is of the arts in this area, in this community. I mean, you have some fantastic institutions here involved in the arts, and they all draw from various pools of donors. Some of them overlap. Mm -hmm. But the people that are fueling the funding of all of these arts organizations like Dick and Fran mm, Anderson yeah. have left a lasting impact because they were arts organizations, because they stood the test of time and they'll be remembered, you know, for, for decades and, and centuries perhaps in, into the future. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's a, there's a misconception out there that, uh, you know, if you invest in the arts, there's no... Uh, uh, nothing return. comes back. Yeah, yeah, there's no return. And there's studies that say a dollar invested in the arts brings back in the community, restaurants and everything, up to $11. So it's 11 for one. I mean, it's not a, it's a pretty 
good investment yeah. in the community and your way what about of life. Th- what about 30 cents? That's about all I have in my pocket <laughs> right now. How far, how far can you take me on 30 cents? <laughs> well, I keep putting my two cents in. And doing yeah. okay, so okay. You can probably do okay with 30. <laughs> yeah. Thank you That's for your true. donation. <laughs> that is Spoken tax like deductible. A, <laughs> a, a true fundraising executive. Yeah. Well, well, there, there are some uh, wonderful studies that have been done in uh, at the state level uh, as to what the creative industries bring to our communities in Ohio, and it, it's it's exceptional to look at um, what just this organization does, and and uh, you know, they they look at it from an employment perspective, but also an economic development perspective. So you know, we ran the numbers a couple of years ago. I think there was, um, I think. Each uh, each dollar earned by a member of our organization, and I would not say that we're over overpaid in general, um, creates a thousand dollars of economic impact, mm-hmm. and that makes sense when you start thinking about where people are coming from. They're moving here. They're buying houses. They're moving their families. They're spending tuition dollars. They're looking for things to eat and places to go. And you know that ends up being a real development perspective of what the arts can contribute. Yeah, absolutely. So my thirty cents would go a lot longer in in that uh, calculation, I think. Right. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think you know great cities have have great art and great culture. And and as the 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 businesses in this community try to attract talent, you know it's it's important that they can say we have cultural treasures like the Toledo Symphony here and you can you can access great music and, and great culture in this community. You know, we fight that perception that people f- not from Toledo don't know how good we have it here and, and there's yeah. probably a little bit of value in that so that we don't double the size of the population and, and do away with some of our quality of life issues that, that are so good. But it also is a challenge. How do we overcome that perception and get people to come and be a part of, of the businesses that are here and contribute their talents. Well, we, you, you raise a great point, yeah. yeah the mm-hmm. community, the value of the community yes. and, and bringing people into the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about that a little bit, Zach, in terms of bringing in employees of the symphony to the city. But, Brett, you know, looking at the wider picture, let's make this an attractive community for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, not only for, the, you know, people coming in to work in the business community, but people coming in to for the tourism community you know that you don't think of toledo as necessarily a tourist hot spot but certainly in northwest ohio we have a lot of wonderful things here to attract people including the symphony mm-hmm. and and symphony concerts let me ask you uh gentlemen while i think of this um how do you aside from this memorial concert that you're giving how do you honor the legacy of somebody like Dick Anderson and Dick and Fran Anderson and their impact on the orchestra. So moving forward, how how do you plan to fulfill, I guess, the potential of, of their legacy? Well, I, I'll start. I think we all, you know, have thoughts on that. But it it was very clear as we started thinking of ways to honor Dick's legacy with the symphony that you know, we we lo- we owe the endowment that we have and the long-term funding that we have uh, largely to his efforts to reach out to people in the community and and build that and his willingness to say this is important. Would you join me in helping to build this long-term support? 
So it was it was an obvious kind of place to go as we worked with the family and the company and our supporters to create an endowment in his name to support the symphony long term and to help us continue to be the organization that we need to be in this community. And you know, as as Brett said, our endowment is really a function of Dick's passion for helping us have long-term sustainability. Uh, so <laughs> uh, one of our colleagues said shortly after Dick passed away, you can just imagine um, you know, Dick banging his hands on the table and say, what else do I have to do to give you guys long-term stability? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is uh, now uh, doing so uh, from a mor- memorial perspective. So this concert is, is I think, you know, the beginning of a celebration of that relationship and a way that we can, we can really um, honor and, 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 and respect the, the vision that Dick had for us and that, that he has for the orchestra. So, um, you know, this community will continue to be uh, inspired by and touched by Dick's generosity. Yeah, on the subject of, you know, we're talking about philanthropy also, but to bring it back to to, to Dick also is that uh, it shows us also that, um, f- yeah, philanthropy is, is money, yes, but it's mainly relationships. Is that, you know, do you hit it off? I mean, is it, is it do, do we have same goals? Do, you know, he wants to build a, a solid and beautiful community for where he lived. We want to do the same. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not, sometimes people think it's just about, like, you know, Brad's job is getting money. It's, it's building relationships, yeah. you know? The foundation of, uh, the economic foundation of the orchestra is all these really strong relationships in the community. Very often you have a relationship with people that doesn't turn out uh, into money at, at, at that moment, but they, they just have an interest in what you're doing or curiosity on what you're doing. And they say, well, we'll follow you. I mean, this is interesting. And, and you know, you, you start like, since I've been here, I've made a lot of friends, but you know, it's, I, I've never gone out on a, you know, meeting people uh, to get a check. It's never done. It's like, you know, are, are we building some, some, some friends? Do we have more friends? I mean, when you say it takes a village, I mean, to run a symphony, it takes a, a whole world. <laughs> it's even with Mahler, it takes a universe, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but uh, it's really all about relationships and the relationships that, that, that Dick was able to have with everybody, not just us. I mean, he, he helped, yes, he, he helped us tremendously. I mean, he's an instrumental on, on having a symphony in town, I mean, keeping a symphony in town. But not only that, he was in many, many other things, and it's always relationships. And you yes. always have to, inc- and that's something you can do very well in the U.S. because you have some, some means to do it because of the taxation. <laughs> I know because I'm from Canada. <laughs> yes, anyway, let's not get into that. But um, you have the means to to choose, you know, what is close to your heart and what really uh, you think you can make a difference in something that interests you in your community. And I, you know, the, the, the relationships we've had with the family and with Dick and with Fran, let's not forget Fran. She, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> She's a force of nature yeah. is, is an example of that. Well, the impact of Dick Anderson and Fran Anderson will, will last for a long, long time into the future, but for the time being, their legacy and impact are being uh, celebrated with this concert that you're putting on, the Dick Anderson Memorial Concert. It's Friday evening, October 29th, 7.30 p.m. at the Toledo Museum of Art Paris Style 
Elaine Trudell conducting the Toledo Symphony in a wide-ranging program of music that uh, we spoke about. Also with uh, Elaine picking up his trombone and playing a little bit as well. You can find more information about that concert at toledosymphony.com or 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online. That's at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Zach Vassar, Elaine Trudell, and our special return guest, Brett Loney. I'm Brad Cresswell. This has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.